Thanks, Oliver. Good morning. Making headlines, the Director of Public Prosecution in Gauteng has been given the mandate to make a decision on the second docket of the Sanzo Meiwa murder case. However, the decision can only be made after the court's finding on the outcome of the consideration of the credibility of the docket. The second docket seeks to prosecute the people who were present at the crime scene where Meiwa was fatally shot in Phosphorus in Ekuruleni in 2014. In other news, the Kimberley Magistrates Court in the Northern Cape has heard that a 38-year-old doctor accused of raping a 17-year-old girl is not registered with the Health Professionals Council of South Africa. This emerged during the testimony of the investigating officer who also revealed that the bogus doctor was in the country illegally. And further afield, aid is starting to arrive in Pakistan to help tens of millions of people affected by devastating monsoon floods that have submerged the third of the country. Bridges and roads have been washed away and millions of homes damaged or destroyed. I'll have these and other stories at the top of the hour. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. It seems uh, Warren's call earlier about the cost of money really got some people, uh, some hairs up. Uh, quite a lot of tweets, responses, and WhatsApps coming through on that. Uh, but yeah, some interesting facts. Maybe we should slow it down one day and have a discussion about what inflation really does. Really, really, really does. Uh, we're now joined by the um, MMC, MEC of Human Settlements in the Western Cape, Tetius Simmers. Of course, this is uh, in response to the conversation we had yesterday, which they were unable to join us. Um, on two years later since the Tafelberg judgment, um, what has changed? What has moved forward? Um, what we know from an important conversation we had yesterday with researchers and activists is that uh, the, the, the city of Cape Town in particular um, has a housing, the Western Cape province has a housing backlog of 600,000. The city of Cape Town in particular has 15,000 homeless people on the streets. Um, from a recent announcement by the city of Cape Town, we know that 800 housing units uh, will be made available um, to people very, very soon. 800 housing units, far less than just a single percentage of the scale of the crisis. Um, but importantly, the judgment also placed uh, a burden on the provincial government uh, to conduct a land audit to, en- to be able to know how much land is available, state-owned land, for social initiatives, not just housing, all social in- initiatives that's, of course, directed at the greater good of uh, the people of the Western Cape. And, of course, said that this must be prioritized above profit-seeking uh, uh, ag- agendas, right? Of course, this was off of the back, very specifically litigated there, uh, the sale of land um, in Tafelberg uh, of in excess of 150 million rand for the development, a private development related to a private Jewish school, uh, and that was what the court had overturned over there, right? Um, a lot of questions. Two years later, what has changed? And um, the MEC of Human Settlement now joins us. MEC, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it um, and that you were able to join us. Let me start here. Um, what of the obligations in that court order from the Tafelberg judgment has the city of, has sorry, the province of the Western Cape been able to act on and deliver on? Well, first and foremost, thank you very much uh, and good morning to all your listeners because I am aware that, you know, we we happened to get, we were invited yesterday and we definitely didn't shy away. We were busy executing our mandate in other areas of our province, this time in Bito. No, indeed, we have started acting on key components of the judgment, which, uh, you know, we, we do concur with. 
uh, in terms of uh, uh, the, the proportion of land, in terms of the Department of Transport and Public Works, which is the custodian of all our land, you know, we have progressed uh, rapidly in terms of identifying all provincially owned land, but also, you know, all assets that belong to the Bosnian provincial government, you know, for proper assessment. So we have moved uh, 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 quite fairly along over the last two years. Uh, because we did welcome the judgment that only, you know, appealed certain components of that specific well, judgment. Well, you were only able to appeal certain components because the other appeals were dismissed. I know, look, indeed, but, you know, we can, we can play around with words, but what one can say is that, you know, we have acted upon which we can, and, you know, we, we also started imper- now focusing on the, the reusage of the specific land right, right. For, 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 for its intent, which we are moving along as province. So let's start there. Um, land audit, is it done? Well, it's still uh, in progress because you need to verify ownership uh, of uh, each specific land which you are busy auditing. So once it is concluded, you know, the, the, we will report that to the provincial legislature. Okay, so, so, it's, it's, so it's been two years. What's the timeline on that? Well, we also need to understand that during the last two years that you are referring to, you also had COVID-19. We, there were certain phases of COVID regulations which did not permit certain right, actions right. that we as the state could do. So you need to also understand that that we do deal within the framework of the reality which all citizens face across the country. Mm. But but give me a timeline. Well, like I said, we will report uh, to the legislature once as already is completed. Yeah, so but how long, how long do you course. expect? Your, your auditors well, must have given you a timeline. It will happen in due course and it will be reported to the legislature and you will take note of it. Uh, so your auditors didn't give you a time estimate? Once again, this is an administrative function. It is happening as we speak. Once it's concluded, which will be in due process, then you will report to the legislature. Let me see. Did your auditors give you a time estimate as to how long they think they might be able to audit? Did they or did they not? Sir, as I've indicated, they are still busy with it. No, no, we understand that they're busy. We're happy. No, we're busy. We're happy about that. municipalities, and we need to ensure that, you know, we verify and audit each and every piece of land, but also buildings and all other assets that belong to the province so that we can do a comprehensive report to the legislature, not just a piecemeal thing, but to ensure it is a full comprehensive yeah. uh, audit. No, 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 I absolutely, I absolutely understand that. Um, it's great that they are busy doing it. We're very happy about that. But, um, and here's why the timeline question is not a superfluous one. It's an important one, right? Uh, because service delivery needs to happen as soon as possible, and that's very important, specifically because this is a court-mandated function. And it's important because we need to be able to know, are we going to wait a year or two or three? Are we going to wait a full term of another premier? This matters uh, because people need to be able to know, um, one, what justice looks like, but two, whether or not the, the, the province will be able to deliver based on that audit in due time. You can't say in due course. It could be a week. It could be... It could be months. It could be years. Well, at least I can confirm one thing. It will not wait for the term of another premier that I can can indicate to you. So I think that, it, that Do you think it will be done this year? Uh, no, definitely not this year because, like I said, we're going to do a comprehensive and complete audit okay. of all land and buildings. Do you think it will be done by think, next year? Uh, well, I, I can't, con- I can't uh, give a firm uh, commitment to that. Because we do are, are doing a thorough verification process. So you can confirm that next year we'll have an audit report. Look, I cannot confirm that we'll have an audit report, but at least we would have advanced fairly quickly than we could have 
uh, due to maybe, the maybe let me ask this when exactly did the audit start like when did the actual audit start Look, we, we need to understand. I took over office of the of infrastructure because I'm on the MEC of infrastructure, not, not human settlements, as, as you introduced me. So when I took over, this process was already in, in motion. Uh, when, like I said, due to limitations, due to COVID-19. But mm-hmm. remember, the judgment was also handed down during the period of COVID-19. So obviously, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain variables that we needed to respect. And once the the the, the Correct uh, COVID regulations permitted, uh, you know, uh, action moving to uh, an allowed interaction in certain stages. Then we actually progress and move right. freely and legally around in the province to execute, uh, you know, our, our full comprehensive audit. Yeah. Look, um, I, I will say I'm, I'm not satisfied with your lack of clarity on a timeline. It's important and it's important that we hold politicians to account on that. It uh, doesn't matter which level of government, local, provincial, national government, these timelines matter. And often politicians evade accountability because they don't are not willing to commit to a timeline. Um, and, and, and that's well, why I, this I is important. I can tell you with, uh, with the Western Cape government, we're not only held accountable, we accept accountability. And hence, you know, I can, I, uh, when you your type of answer, um, question to me, I can tell you, you know, it is in process. I can't give you a definitive end line, but like I said, once that audit is complete, it will be reported to the, to the legislature, which is a clear commitment by this provincial government. You know, no, it's a commitment. Not it's, not a, it's not a clear commitment. Let's speak about budget allocation. How much money was allocated to the provincial government or in the provincial government for housing in particular, related to social housing, and how much of it was spent? Well, you need to understand that in terms of human settlements, we get uh, two streams of funding as a provincial government. There's yeah. the Human Settlements Development Grant and the new grant which was introduced last year. It is the Informal Settlements Upgrade Partnership Grant, which was just the top slice of the HSDG grant. It is well under 2.4 billion rand. In terms of social housing, social housing is funded through the Social Housing Regulatory Authority, or SHRA. They yeah. appoint the Social Housing Institute, or SHI. In terms of spending, that budget allocation is done in accordance with projects that are ready for social housing, of which in the Western Cape we have, in the city of Cape Town, you know, uh, we handed over one specific project in Port Asif, uh, uh earlier this year. We have the Conradi site, which we also started tenanting. And in total, you know, if you look at the full MTF uh, period, uh, which is a th- more than three-year cycle, in mm. terms of social housing commitment and money that has been spent, it's well in excess of a quarter of a billion rand. And the money in terms of planning, which we also get through SHRA for our social housing uh, programs, uh, that this, uh, this is how to bring more social housing projects online across the entire province. You know, we have uh, some commitments in excess of just under 500 million rand for, for the Western Cape, which... That amount is set, set to actually increase because we have more projects that are project ready and being packaged and sent to Shrafa for, for concurrence so that we can ultimately start, start progressing. And we'll see some of these new projects, construction starting in 2023. One of these projects is in the Garden Route. It is in Mossel Bay. That's a 256 million rand project, which will phase one will yield uh, 260 units. Once again, but in with partnership of the Garden Route District also playing a key role. So we can clearly hear this committed funding from Shra. From our side, you know, we also play a, a catalytic role in ensuring that these projects are accelerated so that they can become implementation ready. So, till date, in the medium term, uh, 250 million has been spent uh, on social housing. Look, in, in, in the current financial year, I've included the previous one, yes, which includes planning and implementation. 
and projects that, that are being handed over for occupation here. So once wow. all these projects are complete, you know, we we our budget uh, is is it's determined by the funding commitments that we get yeah, from yeah. Shah uh, from from the national statute. So what has been spent is two hundred and fifty million rand. Am I understanding that correct? Ah, no, that, that is correct. Ah, okay. uh, on, on certain projects across the provinces. Okay, and how many units has that two hundred and fifty million rand spent yielded? Well, in terms of use in Raleigh Park, that's a, a unit yield at the moment of 434 social housing units in terms of Dal Yusufat, which is in the Drakenstein municipality. Construction commenced earlier this year of well over 200 units. If we look at the Boetersig project, which we handed over, which means that the occupancy were completed, it's well over 190 units. So, you know, it's, it's well just uh, just over 1,000 units that, that we, we have yielded. And obviously... You know, uh, the bulk of the occupation so it needs to occur. So the last figures I had was just over a thousand units, which has been occupied, and also um, a project in Galvo, which we visited with the national minister, which is, which uh, was also earlier this year. So we started tenanting a lot of our projects, which were in construction for for more than a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and funding commitments that have been made um, going forward. How much are we looking at? Well, at the moment, the the Funding commitment from Shira in terms of social housing, that is in terms of the Muscle Bay project, phase one and phase two, that's well over 256 million rand. There are key other projects in the city of Cape Town, which will yield over 6,000 housing opportunities over five years. So that's well in excess of 1 billion rand that has been committed yeah. over that period. So, yeah, they, you know, we are seeing a lot of our social housing programs uh, and housing projects that are implement, at implementation stage becoming online with key uh, short turnings also happening this year. Obviously, there are key sites where we would have wanted to see projects coming online, but sadly, due to uh, projects being invaded with the full support of Nfundo Kwasi, uh, you know, supporting these inversions, I'm talking about the Somerset precinct, which could have been far down the implementation stage, had in organizations which you interviewed yesterday not actually supported the invasion of one of these key precincts, which would have yielded a number of socializing opportunities. Yeah. Um- uh, how much, very specifically, has National Treasury designated to the Western Cape Provincial Government for social housing? Well, look, um, obviously, uh, SHRA gets, gets funding from National Treasury. And, and how much do provinces, they get? Provinces ultimately get, get funding according to the project availability or implementation readiness. Right, right. Muscle Bay is a case, an example, where there's a commitment from from the SHRA for specific funding. So at this stage, I'm just waiting to see the, the, the new financial year gazette to see exactly how much funding the Western Cape has been, uh, has been committed okay, to, and in the, uh, for and, funding. And in the previous financial year? Well, in the previous financial year, because remember, um, SHRA transferred the funds not to provinces but to the SHIs. We only see how much funding gets sent. That was well in excess of $200 million. In a, uh, so 200 planning, planning and implementation. And to emphasize, because you know our listeners sometimes uh, get the perception that we talk about money spent, they need to see tangibles. Yeah. One of the things which they don't see is the planning that creates the tangible. So 200 in the funding. So 200 million was designated from National Treasury to the Western Cape for projects that were ready. In, in terms of social housing, uh, yes, nearly 200 million. It may be a bit more than 200 million. Uh, but like I said, it's for planning and implementation, and yeah. we have seen tenanting happening where the projects were completed with the assistance of that funding through the SHI. And how much of that was actually spent in that financial year? 
well in the Western Cape in terms of socializing we our the SHIs will implement on behalf of Shah spent 100%. We've never returned funding in terms of socializing. Right. Similarly to the Human Settlements Development Grant, we've never sent money back. Uh, we spend 100%. In, in, in other cases, with the adjustment budget, which is in November, we also seem to also get additional funding because we have a lot of projects outside of the social housing cluster, which are also implementation ready and can absorb the additional funding that we get. Right. Um, okay. And and I want to ask you this question, and I think this is this is the more um, um, you know important question to be to be had about this conversation. Um, you know what we learned from Ndfunokwazi uh, yesterday is that really there's a there's a housing backlog in the province of six hundred thousand. Um, you know, and here we're speaking about hundreds of houses per projects, a couple of hundred here, a couple of hundred there, four hundred here. Um, it you know it's it's a far cry from six hundred thousand right? from six hundred thousand uh, it's in ter- in terms of the backlog. Will it ever in our lifetime will that backlog ever be uh, eradicated? Well, we need to be frank and honest. The budget which the Western Cape has received year on year will never effectively address the backlog effectively. If we were to get uh, to effectively address the backlog, we need an excess of 100 billion rand, which excludes about infrastructure. So, and we're currently getting just under two, 2.7 billion rand. But what we are doing is we we working smarter with the money that we're getting, and we, with the promotion of the new Department of Infrastructure, we are seeking to actually accelerate uh, and see how we can partner with the private sector, like we've done at Conradi Park, which is a a, a development where we have. The two, the, the two spheres of government and the third sphere in terms of the socializing component working with the private sector uh, in a Keaton key project, which I've seen actually, you know, us yield a lot more units. But yeah. you also need to understand that as much as you, you, you look at the 600,000 backlog, just over the last two years, which means during the peak of COVID, the provincial government has delivered 22,000 housing opportunities across the Western Cape, even after our budget was well, what, What's a housing but opportunity? The housing opportunity consists of the following components. You have top structures, and I'll use this financial year where we are set to yield well over 8,000 top structures to qualifying beneficiaries. But then there's also service sites. In terms of service sites, you then get uh, uh, informal settlement upgrading, but also sites which are part of the bigger uh, IRDP projects. So that's what we define by so if, if there's an informal settlement somewhere and you come and you give them water and electricity and you give them some or other service, uh, you consider that a housing opportunity? Well, in terms of uh, the national reporting criteria, which all provinces must adhere to, you must report in how you spend the money in terms of settlement upgrading, in terms of the provision of water points, access to basic so services. It's, so it's not, you didn't actually build a house. It's just an opportunity to get services while you have your own structure. Well, you yourself spoke about accounting and the accountable governance and holding politicians accountable. So we need to account for the taxpayers' money that we spend right, as right, right. settlements which, which we so I, look, I, putting I, on all the yeah. opportunities we create. I should probably ask the national minister this and not you, so it may be a little bit of an unfair question. Why can't you just account for services delivered and not call it a housing opportunity to create the impression that you provided houses for people? Well, in terms of the Western Cape, you know, when I talk about housing opportunities, you know, we go far beyond just providing a service site in certain areas where we do, uh, you know, um, enhanced service sites where we provide a toilet, we provide a wash truck, we provide them with a, with a wet core, which is a, a, a cement base or a slab. 
because we need uh, to, which is you know above and beyond what is expected of us. So that is why I used to. What do you mean? That kind of is expected of you. It's not above and beyond. It's kind of what we expect. Well, let's be quite honest when you when you compare what other provinces are doing. No, we're not comparing. We expect that from other provinces too. To your show, quite a number of years where people literally just get a toilet. Bang, there's nothing else, nothing to lost. Show you did, you focus on the free state as a good example. Mm. No, 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 we expect that from all governments, uh, all provinces. Uh, some fail more than others at delivering it, but it doesn't mean you're going above and beyond. So maybe don't call it that. You're delivering what is expected of you. No, no, in the Western Cape, you are going above and beyond because another form of, of informal settlement upgrading is what, what we call in situ upgrading, and we are doing incremental housing projects yeah. piloted by the Western Cape. So I obviously now if I have sufficient time I could explain to you what that means yeah. as well. So I have two last questions regarding housing very specifically. Uh, the first is, what is the commitment of the provincial government? Let's say over the next five years, how many houses, uh, not housing opportunity, actual houses built? How many houses will be built by the Western Cape provincial government over the next five years? Well, in terms of the physical top structure, and thanks for providing the clarity specifically, what I must focus on in my response for you this year, our commitment is, is well over 8,000. Uh, that number is set to increase marginally over, per year as we now, you know, seek to to roll out, uh, you know, free innovation together with the private sector. But over the next five years, we envisage that we could, can create, in terms of top structures alone, close to uh, 45 to 50,000. Once again, dependent on the to me, the the recipient municipality where we are building in. Okay, uh, that's uh, that's important and valuable information to know. Um, so collectively, if you add it up, what's the final number? Well, if you add up the final number, because you asked for a five-year period, you know, it, will, it will be close enough to 50,000. Once again, it's dependent on, uh, like I said, the recipient municipality and if communities don't invade the land or invade or attempt to invade uh, completed stop structures because... Okay. You know, a top staff is only counted once it's electricity and water connection, and then it can be finally signed off by inspector, which I also need to clarify to the listeners before National also counted that as a, as a final opportunity. All right. So 50,000 houses over the next five years? Over the next five years, yes. Okay. Um, yesterday, I received a very interesting voice note, and it's not about the house itself. It's more related to the quality of the housing. Have, have, have a listen at this voice note. Good morning, Oliver. All I wanted to say to, to the DA... They must really come right. You know what? They can blame the ANC for corruption. But when it comes to the ANC for building houses, they build the people, for poor people, they build brick houses, not blockies. They don't build blockies. Come to Cape Town, you get a lot of blockies. Blockies, blockies door. And yesterday, and even there by, uh, in Merkbos, they build blockies, blockies houses for the people. But the ANC built brick houses for the people. The DA is not for the people. The DA is only for the white people. Thank you very much. What do you what, what do you make of that, MEC? Uh, are you guys building blockies, Hazer? Well, that's a clearly a city of Cape resident that's ill-informed. Um, when there is emergencies or fires in the city of Cape Town or any other municipality across the Western Cape provides what we call a TRA, a temporary structure, what he calls a blocky. Uh, when we roll out projects in terms of for qualifying beneficiaries, top structures uh, are constructed. When many of our projects have, have won, you know, national prizes, and the quality of our houses are certified by the NHPRC. So one must differentiate between emergency housing and a normal housing product. But 
clearly, uh, you know, uh, the listener that called in ultimately needs to avail himself of the different products because instead of politicizing, uh, you know, the delivery of, of a, a top structure, you need to understand the different needs that, that government needs to address through the Human Settlements Development Grant. Yeah. And here's where I want to round off our conversation. And this was a contentious part in uh, the Tafelberg judgment. And this is in part what uh, you guys are uh, appealing, right? Uh, it is it is the argument that the provincial government has no obligation and mandate to undo historic spatial injustice. Uh, explain to us what is meant by that. What what the position, the official position of the government there is? Well, in terms of of human settlements, you will note that we talk about integrated uh, uh, human settlements. We talk about guiding our municipalities to ensure integration through the projects which they envisage in their project pipeline. Uh, so, you know, as a provincial government, we, we do support integration, sustainable integration, but also that uh, the products or the human settlements um, range of products that you develop on a specific site. It needs to address in terms of social housing, you know, the gap market or, you know, the flisp market, but also the open market, because how else... Well, we ensure to break down the legacy of spatial apartheid if we don't uh, inter- integrate peoples from various income streams into one community. And this is evident through projects such as Conradi, and I can name you a number of other projects that we do ex- actually exercise our right as a provincial government through human settlements in terms of spatial integration through design and implementation. Okay, but, but what's the official position? I've just given you the official uh, no, position. I mean, that's that's saying that's 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 saying, yo, we've got projects and we're trying to integrate people from different income brackets into single communities into one community, um, but that doesn't say what the uh, overarching policy principle is. Well, the overarching policy of the Western Cape government, through all through everything that we do in terms of service delivery, speaks to breaking the legacy of apartheid spatial planning in a sustainable, cooperative manner across. Not only from the provincial government, but in 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 unison with our thirty local municipalities right. across the western Cape. What is meant by sustainable? Well, we need to ensure that uh, you in that as as you seek to break down spatial segregation, you do so in a manner that there is sufficient bulk infrastructure into the future. That is, uh, in terms of water provision, sewage right. provision, electricity provision, and so forth. Because sadly, as much as we've seen progress in terms of uh, certain aspects of that uh, over the last 28 years. We've also seen a massive impact on poor bulk infrastructure planning and it's not going to affect for future planning. ESCOM is a very good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sustainable uh, means that we have to be able to build the surrounding infrastructure before we build the houses. Well, you can't build a house, but you can't flush a toilet. Then what's the use of building the house? Right, you can't right. build a house if there's no electricity. That is sustainable and you must also take note that as humans, we are in coexistence with nature, so you also need, yeah. to, need to be well cognizant of that as well because we have different areas with different needs, but we also need to respect, you know, uh, nature itself. Yeah. Not all areas are developable for human settlements development. Okay, understand, understand. Let's l- listen to one or two voice notes uh, before I give you uh, the final minute to wrap up, MEC. Listening to this guy is so laughable, you know. They talk and talk and talk and talk the land is there are so many lands standing for 30 40 years empty that belongs to the the province uh, pro- the province but they make it 
like the area alongside the coast is like black people and and colored people don't deserve that beauty of the ocean and the mountains they make they make it a uh, um, a nature reserve why do they make that that land next to a baden powell a nature reserve there's such a lot of uh land that can it can be used for nature and it can be used for housing they they leave it wild for all these years for who is it benefiting no man this this this, this da government uh, i vote for them and i don't vote for them anymore because they don't look after the poor serious oliver dixon on safm and yeah we've lost the mc is no longer with us i don't know if he hung up or the phone dropped but unfortunately we did lose him thank you so much for the engagement that brings us to the end of the show